I want to read a few very familiar verses this morning. And you're hearing, if you'll turn with me, in the Gospel according to St. John in chapter 14. The Gospel according to St. John in chapter 14. If you do not have these verses committed to memory already, I would certainly encourage you uh, to, to do so, to commit these to memory, and it would surely help you. This is a troubled world we're living in. Lots and lots of consternation, lots of uh, wrinkled foreheads, lots of upset stomachs, lots of heartburn and heartache, lots of trouble all around us. I was actually studying yesterday in Matthew chapter 24, and Matthew 24 is pretty much negative all the way through it. I mean, it's wars and rumors of wars. It is bloodletting. It is trouble. It is... It is, and, and uh, war on every side. It is death and sorrow and famine. I mean, uh, is persecution. It, it is, the whole chapter is nothing but death and damnation and trouble. But in the middle of all of that, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I mean, what a, what a thing to say. He even told us about all that negative stuff. He said, this is the beginning of sorrows. And still he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know why we can have such peace and consolation? Because the Prince of Peace abides in our heart. And it do us well in this troubled hour and in this troubled day to hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we're beginning our reading here today in John chapter 14. If you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us. And we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord this morning together from John chapter 14, beginning in verse number one. The word of God says, let not your heart be troubled. Jesus speaking here, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And by the way, he said, if I go, I will come again. And he did go just as he said, and he is coming again, just as he said. And he says in verse 4, and whither I go, you know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm preaching this morning, taking our text from verse number 2, In my Father's house. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. I've done so much preaching from this chapter and so much from these verses. And it is one of my favorite portions of scripture, but this morning I have a um, somewhat of a new approach that I want to take in, in looking at this passage of scripture and in these verses. But what a great word, phrase is turned in verse number two when Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, the Old Testament saints, according to Hebrews 11, looked for a place to dwell that would not pass away, a city whose builder and maker is God that was eternal in the heavens, that would not fade away, that would not pass away. The children of God in this hour and in this dispensation share the same desire. We share the desire for a city whose builder and maker is God. In this passage, Jesus gave us confidence and comfort with these verses of promise. The precious words of Jesus in my Father's house 
our many mansions are enough to erase consternation and fear in our lives. And the words, where I am, there ye may be also bring comfort and peace. I'm preaching this morning about in my Father's house. I want to say this morning, my Father's house, as it pertains to my Father's house, there is a gate to the Father's house. The Scripture does say, Jesus said, Whither I go, in verse 4, you know, in the way you know, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not. Whither thou goest, in verse 5, and how can we know the way? But there is a gate, there is a way, he says, in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10 and in verse number 9. I am the door. By me if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. There is a gate to the Father's house. There is a point of access. There is a door. There is a way. I used to sing in little Caitlin's ear whenever she was a baby. She would cry sometimes incessantly. Earaches and congestion. And she had to have tubes put in her ears and she was crying about that and upset. And about the only thing that would soothe her would be to place her up against me here with her back against me and her face against my face. And sing very quietly and softly in her ear always the same song. There is only one door, one door to heaven. Jesus fixed it that way. The rich and the poor will go in the same door for Jesus fixed it that way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I hear Jesus say, and then I would sing in her little ear, and if you want to go, you'll have to go in by Him because He's the only way. This morning, it matters not if you're a, 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 a member of a preacher's family, if you are a member of a Baptist church. It matters not what your last name may be. It matters not what religious credentials you may have. What matters is if you have entered in by the straight gate, if you have entered in by the door of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a gate to the Father's house. And there is only one gate to the Father's house. The world offers many substitutes. But if any man enters in any other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber. There is only one gate to the Father's house. And this gate can only be entered while here on this earth. You see, death locks out the gate. How when Adam sinned in the garden, death was passed on him and he was locked out of the gate of Eden. When death comes on a man, a man can no longer access the gate to God's presence. You must settle this matter while you live, while you're in this life. There will come a day when the gate will close, when the door of opportunity will be shut, when your chances to get right with God will be over. You must access this gate while you are yet alive in this world. Today there is open for us a great door, a door of access, a door of opportunity, a door of grace, but there will come a time just as surely as the Lord shut the door on the ark that Noah built when God will shut the door of access for those who are lost to get in the ark of the grace of God it will not always be available today is the day of salvation now is the accepted 
time. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. As in the day of provocation, hear the voice of the Lord and heed unto it and get right with God while you can. And not at some time when you think you will. You'll not decide when you can get right with the Lord. But while the gate is open, while the door is open, while access is presented, there's a time to get things right with God. The gate to my Father's house. There is but one. The gate can only be entered while on earth. The gate is entered by accepting a person. The gate is not entered by doing some work. The gate is not entered by performing some religious deed. The gate is not entered, my friend, by believing some parable, by thinking some great fault, or by making some pilgrimage to Mecca or somewhere else. The gate is not entered by means of citizenship in a country or membership in a church. I have heard some of the craziest thing you've ever think of in your life. Have reasons why people think that they're going to heaven. Have reasons why people think that they are Christians. I've heard people say things, everything from why my mother and dad were Christians, therefore I'm a Christian. I was born a Christian. I've always been a Christian. I've heard people say I'm a Christian because I believe in God. Well, that doesn't make you a Christian. The devil believes in God. And he's not a Christian. Amen. I mean, friend, just believing in God is not enough. I mean, I've heard people say things like, I will go to church. I belong to a church. Why, well, my daddy was a preacher or my uncle was a preacher. My mama was a preacher. I mean, I've heard all of it, friend. I mean, I have heard that one man told me, why, well, I'm an American, aren't I? If I'm an American, that means I'm a Christian. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard of in my life. I mean, listen to me. Broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. And narrow is the gate, as straight as the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth in the light. And few there be that find it. You're not born again this morning. You're not saved. You're not on your way to heaven. You're not forgiven of your sins because of anything else except for faith in a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't say to Thomas, He didn't say, I'll show you the way. He didn't say to Thomas, I know the way. He didn't say to Thomas, there is a way. He said to Thomas, I am the way. The way is in a person. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The gate is entered by accepting a person. And Christ is that accepted person. John chapter 1 verse 11, He came unto His own. And His own received Him not. But to as many as received Him. To them gave He the power to become the sons of God. Even to them which believe on His name. That's the accepted person. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. I've said it a lot here lately and I've tried to memorize it, commit it to memory and repeat it again and again because we need to hear it. Your only hope in eternity is God Almighty. And your only access to God Almighty is His Son, Jesus Christ. That is the answer for this world that we are living in. The gate is entered by accepting a person. The gate to my father's house. Secondly, this morning, I want to talk about the guarantee of my father's house. 
You know why I'm wired up today? You know why I'm excited? You know why I'm happy? Because I've got a guarantee. I mean, because I have a certainty. Because I have assurance. Because I know some things. And I don't mean to be a smarty, but I just know some things. And I don't know them because I'm so smart or because I'm so sharp. But because He has taught me. I know nothing of myself. But that which my Father has given unto me. I know some things. I have assurance. This is what expects upsets of this world that we're living in, this world of grays and have no blacks and whites, just grays and uh, pale pastels. And to my friend, this world that thinks they can't know anything, this world that questions whether we are not, whether we are really even here or not, or is this some imagined existence? We got some weird people in our world. I don't know if y'all know that or not. We got some strange characters, some weirdos. They think we're odd. You know, there are people in the world today that will march miles upon miles upon miles, sit on top of mountains yogi style, hum until they try to find themselves. Brother, if they'd have looked around, they were at the bottom of the mountain before they ever started climbing. Climbing, and I could have saved them a lot of steps. They didn't have to climb a mountain to find themselves. They weren't on top of that mountain until they climbed it. Amen. We got some weird characters in our land, and they think that we are strange. They think that we are odd and the reason they think we're odd is because we know some things. Because we have assurance. Because we have certainty. How do you know that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh? Because the Word has said so. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made. That was made. Just the very fact that I can quote those things word for word. But some people teeth on edge. What sort of nut are you memorizing a book like that? And yet they'll quote movies and Shakespeare and they'll quote Dr. Spock and, and other people in our land. They will quote Dr. Phil and Dr. Laura and Dr. Seuss. But if we quote the Bible, you must be some sort of fanatic or something. You must have gone off the deep end. No, I just know some things. I have assurance of some things. There is a guarantee of my Father's house. You see, Jesus told us about that place. And Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. But how can you know that you are going? Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. How can you know we're going? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And Jesus said, you know about it. And whither I go, you know. And the way, you know. Amen. You can know. You can have a guarantee. You can have assurance. And there is no consolation at all in these verses about the Father's house existing unless I can be there in the Father's house. But He promised where I am, there ye may be also. The epistle of 1 John contains the word know in some form 32 times in five short chapters of First John. That's not the Gospel of John but the epistle of First John written by the same man as the Gospel of John and he summarized that uh, that emphasis of the word know in First John 5 and 13 these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe 
believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm glad I can know that heaven is my possession this morning. Whether I go, you know, in the way you know. Hallelujah. We can know, guarantee of the Father's house. I have the word of Jesus on this. That's how I know. It was not because some preacher shook my hand and said, boy, you're in. You've made it in the family of God. It's not because some priest signed off on condolences and said I was all right. It's not because I've been baptized by a Baptist preacher or a Methodist preacher or a Pentecostal preacher or a Catholic preacher or a Muslim cleric of some sort or a Hindu cleric of some sort. It's not because I've sat somewhere, rocked back and forth and mumbled Hare Krishna. It's not because because that I've meditated until I found peace in the inner man. But it's because my Lord Jesus said it to me. I have His promise, His Word. Verse number 2, He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. You wouldn't have had to wait on the President, the Prime Minister, the Priest. You wouldn't have had to wait on the Grand Lustrous Potentate. I'd to tell you that it was not true. I would have told you. I'm going to prepare the place and I'm going to come again receiving to myself. It's all based on Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If it were not true, Jesus would have told us. I have the word of Jesus. That's how I know it's true. The guarantee of the Father's house. It's the word of Jesus. The guarantee of the Father's house is the earnest of the Holy Ghost. Not only do I have the, fa- have the Father in the house, the Son guaranteeing the house, but I have the Holy Ghost living in this house until I get to that house. Amen. I have the earnest of the Spirit of God dwelling in me. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says it this way, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom that also after ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. That song we sang is right. I have the Holy Ghost living in me. He is my royal host. Faithful is He. Filling me with His love. Oh, that I may sing praises to Him above. He is my King. The Holy Spirit lives in me and is guiding me towards that blessed glorious place. I have the earnest of the Holy Spirit living in me. Back about nearly 20 years ago now, I found a piece of land that I wanted to buy. And it was awful looking. I mean, ugly. And it looked like a bomb had gone off on it. A nuclear explosion or something because they had just harvested the timber on it and did zero cleanup, none. The only thing that was there that was fresh and green was kudzu. Or as my papa said, he said, that property looks rough, Toby. He said, it's covered with kudzu. That's what he called kudzu. He said, that property's covered with kudzu. And said, that thing's, like, that thing's like the plague. It's hard to get rid of. But I put down, I went to the owner, went to, well, I went to the real estate agent and I told him what I was willing to give. He said, that's half of what they are listing it for. I said, that's all right. That's what I'm willing to give. He said, okay, if you're willing to give that, I'll need some earnest money in order to take an offer to these people. And I took and I made a deposit, $1,000 earnest money. That showed the buyers that I was serious about
my purchase in this property. It also meant if I reneged on the deal that I would lose my down payment, that I would lose my earnest money. I put a thousand dollars into the account reserved under the sale of the transaction of that piece of property. I had purchased it, but I had not redeemed it with the final finances necessary to complete the transaction. But the earnest money said that that property was going to be mine. That I would see through what I had said I would do. That I would come through with the rest of the money. That I had made a down payment and the rest would be coming. That but the buyer or the seller rather actually agreed to my price. They sold it to me at what I had offered them. I put that earnest money down. It came time that we went to the closing table. I brought the rest of the money to the closing table, signed the final document, and they handed the deeds over to me. That earnest money said the thing that has started is going to be finished. And the Redeemer, the purchaser, will see to it according to His word. You know what the Holy Spirit is? It is earnest. It's like earnest money. It secures the transaction. And when I have the Holy Spirit living in me, that is the Redeemer in heaven has said, I'm going to buy him. I'm going to make him my own. And the final part of this transaction is not done. How do I know that it's going to be done? How do I know he's going to redeem this old body? How do I know he's going to take me off on the glory? I have the earnest of the Holy Spirit down inside of me. I tell you, he made a firm down payment on it. And he that's made the down payment will see it through to completion. He's redeemed me, praise God. I have his word on it, friend. Hallelujah. The guarantee of my father's house. The gate of my father's house. Thirdly, this morning, I want to tell you about the guide to my father's house. The guide to my father's house. You see, I am his son. He is my father. And there will not be a son missing at the father's house. He sees fit to tell me how to get from here to there. Whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. There is a way to get there. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been made His Son and I don't know what it shall be but I do know what He shall appear will be like if we'll see Him as He is. And I'm going to my Father's house. And Thomas, Jesus said unto Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is going, preparing the place and He's leading the way. You realize this morning we are not left to find our way to heaven by our own means. He is our God. Hallelujah. I've got a God. I've got a presence. I've got a leader on my way to the Father's house. Hallelujah. Do you see, Jesus is acquainted with the way. He has been this way between here and the Father's house before. And He knows the path to be our guide. He came down. He knows the way because He was in heaven. But He came to earth. Amen. That's what we celebrate this time of year. What a great opportunity we have, by the way. Let me do some parenthetical preaching I'll come back to the message. What a great opportunity we have at this time of year to tell people about Jesus. While it is that Christmas is on their 
mind while it is that they, some of them, don't even know what they're celebrating. While it is that they don't even know why they're celebrating. What a great opportunity we have as born again people to tell people about the gospel of Jesus. How they said it stood in line, some of them last night, for over two hours to visit with Santa Claus and get their picture made. How we sat in a traffic jam just because somebody else was trying to get in there and look at Christmas lights and couldn't get out of it for almost an hour and we didn't even go. All we wanted to do was get past the cars and get back on the highway. And most of those people in those automobiles, I dare say, did not even know what they're celebrating. It's not about lights and it's not about fat boys in red suits and it's not about flying reindeer and folks that come in and out of your chimney and steal your cookies and milk. Amen. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to save us from our sin. And what an opportunity we have to tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now where was I when I left off? Something about knowing the way. Jesus, I know how he did. Jesus got acquainted with the way. He is acquainted with the way because he was all the way up yonder in heaven. And when he left heaven, he came all the way here on earth. He knows the way because he's traveled it before. Who was in the form of God, thought it not robber to be found equal God, but he made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he humbled himself unto death and God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name and my friend that every knee should bow that every tongue should confess that he is Lord of the glory of God the Father and my friend Jesus knows the way because he came that way all the way from heaven to earth and not only did he go from heaven to earth but he went from earth back to heaven again after it was that he had been, had been slain on Calvary and he was resurrected from the dead hallelujah he took my friend and left this whole world he told Mary he said hold me not I'm not yet ascended but he said I do ascend to my father and to your father to my God and to your God oh he did go back to the father he did present the blood hallelujah he did present the offer of the first fruits I think he made two trips to heaven I don't know what you think about it that's all right. don't matter to me if everybody understands that or not you can think of it what you want to and if I'm off base tell me sometime or another and give me some verses on it that the high priest in the Old Testament had to offer the blood the same day as the sacrifice I believe Jesus offered his blood the same day in the heavenlies that he was crucified on the cross and then after the resurrection three days later he offered the offering of the first fruit those that were brought out my friend the Old Testament saints that were brought out of the uh, of Abraham's bosom he offered them along with him as first fruits from the dead. And I believe that's what he's talking about to Mary on that day. I believe it's all went back to heaven once, come back. Now he's going back to heaven again, going to come back, spend 40 more days on the earth and he's going back to heaven again. He's traveled this way enough. He knows it. I mean, friend, he knows the way. He's experienced. He's our God. We can follow him. I've never been on the other side of the grave. I've never been into eternity. I've never been into the heavenly world. But he's the one that's holding my hand. As over this river I go. Jesus is acquainted with this way. He's my God and I can trust him. Hallelujah. 
Jesus is acquainted with the way. He's my God. Jesus, God's soul and spirit there at death. The Bible says in Psalm 48 and 14, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even unto death. Acts chapter 7 and verse 56, when they threw rocks at Stephen, angry at him. My friend, it was Jesus who stood to bring Stephen home when the rocks pelted against his head, thrown by the angry mob who despised the truth of his preaching. It is Jesus that will hold my hand as over this river I go. He's my God to the Father's house. Jesus will guide soul and spirit there at death. He's acquainted with the way. Jesus will guide at the rapture. We leave out of here those of us who are alive and remain at this point. Now, I don't know. I don't know whether when the resurrection happens, if I'll be alive or already in the grave. But I'm going to say something real deep right about now. Right at this moment, I am part of those who are alive and remain. Everybody, everybody in that number, raise your hand. Hallelujah. I mean, right now, yeah, those of you that did not, we might all call it EMT or a hearse. Alive and remain. Right now, I'm part of that crowd. I may be part of the crowd that's in the grave by the time Jesus comes back. But then again, he may be back before I get done preaching. He may get back before I get finished with my next breath. Hallelujah. I can't think of a better way to finish a message than jumping up, flying through this roof. All of them, amen. I'm going to be with the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And if I go out like that, I sure hope I don't go by myself. Amen. Praise God. Somebody else be ready and go with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus will guide at the rapture. I mean, it'll be Jesus at the last day. We talk about Gabriel licking his lips, going to blow the horn. Songs have been written about Gabriel. Gabriel, come blow your horn. I got news for you. The Bible didn't say that the trump of Gabriel is going to sound. It said the trump of God is going to sound. And Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know who's going to guide the rapture? It's going to be the Lord Jesus. I know that I don't have to worry how I'm going to get out of this world because Jesus has personally taken charge of that. Hallelujah. That's how I'm getting out of here. Amen. To meet the Lord in the clouds, yeah. in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. By the way, he finished up that chapter, First Thessalonians, much the way Jesus started, John 14. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Sort of sounds like Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know why I'm all right in a world that's full of trouble? Because I have that consolation in my Father's house. Now, I'm going to get there because Jesus is my God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My God to the Father's house, my guarantee, my gate. Then I want to say here this morning, I'm finishing up with this. The glory that is in my Father's house. The glory, Jesus said, I go to prepare for you a mansion. And if I go to prepare for you a place in my Father's house, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I'll come again and receive unto myself. He did not say in my Father's house are many rooms. Been watching this this uh, 
documentary lately, several installments of this documentary about a great real estate developer, they say. And uh, he's building all these big buildings, but all of them are apartment buildings. Every, every time they talk about how lavish and fancy and nice and special and, uh, and how expensive and all this that these places are, I'm thinking to myself, it's an apartment. I'm going to tell you something. That's a fancy way for me, as far as I'm concerned, of saying it's a boarding house or it's a motel. I'm going to tell you something. That don't sound real appealing to me. Brother Danny, do you want to go to heaven and live in a motel forever? No. Amen. Not long ago, they had an issue of water at their house and had to spend about two months and a half or three months in a motel. And Brother Danny's not sitting back there reading his uh, a new translation and saying, praise God, I'm headed to a motel in the sky. But he says, look yonder, there are many mansions in my father's house. When we get to heaven, we'll not be living in a boarding house. We'll not be living in a motel. We'll not be living in a uh, government housing project. We'll not be living in some skinny weenie apartment. Praise God. Amen. I cannot imagine so some people live their lives in a building. They do the grocery shopping in a the building. They live in a the building. They work in a the building. All they do is ride the elevator up and down. I would die a fatal death before a month was done. No blades of grass. No cows to holler moo. No crickets at night. I ride in an elevator instead of an automobile. I'd lose my mind. Praise God. I'm not looking for a place in heaven where I can ride an elevator up and down in a motel in the sky that Jesus said in my Father's house are many mansions. Amen. What do you do with the fact that there's a house with mansions in it? Now, that ain't no problem to me. My granddaddy had about a fifth or sixth, well, he went through the sixth grade. He really had about a fourth grade education, maybe less than that. Self educated man, worked hard, taught himself much, pursued knowledge. He was not a dummy. I'm, don't, I'm not throwing off on him at all. He was one of the smartest men I ever knew. But he was not well educated as the world may define it. Not at all. Butchered the king's English. Matter of fact, he had his own version of it. Had his whole, whole language unto himself. But I'll tell you something. He taught me out of this passage of scripture that all the doctors of theology and philosophy and, and uh, uh, psychology and everything else seemed to miss. He said, it's not hard in the Father's house or many mansions. It's not hard. He said, the Father's house is so big when we get there that we can go from mansion to mansion and never leave the house. Now that ain't hard. In my Father's house are many mansions. When we get there, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high, I'm telling you, when we get there, the Father's house is so big, we'll go from mansion to mansion and never leave the house. You talk about glory. You talk about splendor. Oh, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, and he heard the voice of heaven saying, come up hither and 
chapter 4 and he said I'll show you the things which shall be hereafter and he said take a pen and write it down and John did the best he could but finally after he wrote all he could write and did the best he could do to describe the splendors of that city God said alright now close the book and said if anybody, anybody adds to it I'll add to him the plagues that are written in the book anybody takes away from it I'll take away his part of the book of life oh but in that book he told us about walls of jasper and gates of pearl and a street of gold a brook a my friend that flows from the throne of God a trail manners of fruit on one tree a throne a crowd of people thousands and thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand plus thousands and thousands those who took their robes black washed them in red blood and made them white as snow he told us about crowns on their head rejoicing at the feet of Jesus I mean it was just glory it was just splendor it was just beauty and that's what waits over yonder there is glory in the Father's house I say hallelujah I'm glad I'm on my way I mean to go there hallelujah my voice is worn out for some reason. I can't scream shout like I'd like to. But if I could, I'd jump up on the back of a pew and scream like a Comanche Indian for about 20 minutes this morning. I mean, I'm thankful I'm saved and on my way to heaven. If I ever get over being excited about where I'm going, I'll my friend, I'll either have lost my mind or become as backslid as the devil is. Amen. I mean, I am so thankful he saved my soul and I'm on my way to heaven and I'm in love with everybody. And Jesus, Jesus abides in my heart. There is glory in the Father's house. Hallelujah. Revelation 21, 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. Brother, when we get there, that place won't be lit with Christmas lights. It won't be lit with the sun nor the moon. It won't be lit, my friend, with the bright lights of the of Las Vegas or New York City or Atlanta. It will be lit with the Lamb Himself, who is the light of that city. And the songwriter said it right. It will all be glory after a while. It will all be glory after a while. Hallelujah. The glory of Christ's presence will light that city. Amen. <laughs> we study about it these days. Tell us where we can find Him. For we have seen His star in the east. And we're come to worship Him. Hallelujah. Beautiful star of Bethlehem. Shine on. His presence is the light of heaven. His worship is the joy of heaven. His name is the melody of heaven. His work is the theme of heaven. There is glory in the Father's house because Christ is there. The glory of Christ's presence, the glory of Christ's likeness is in heaven. You see, when we get to heaven, Brother Bob... You and I will not be as we now are. <laughs> we will know even as we are known, but we will not be as we now are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, it's a blessing to get to church service and see somebody get a glow with the glory of God, isn't it? I mean, see somebody just get lit up with the glory of God. You ever seen their face shine like the sunshine? 
I mean, just glow strikes him. I remember when Brother Brock got saved and his boys told me, he said, you done, you've done something. That's what they told me. He said, you've done something to my daddy. I said, I had done nothing to your daddy. Oh, yes. He said, you've done something to my daddy. He said, it's like, it's like you've installed a, a 220 light bulb in his face and he just shines all the time. I said, I didn't install nothing. But the Lord has done something in your daddy. Have you ever seen somebody just get lit up? I remember my little granny when she would testify. I mean, she would shine brighter than the lights in this building shine. She would shine brighter than the sun would shine. You couldn't stand and help but see it but the light would be on her face she would get lit up amen oh praise God hallelujah I was listening this past week to brother Vernon Willis preaching and brother you talk about preaching he was preaching with the power of God on him he's already gone on to heaven oh listen hallelujah but I've seen him and sister Bonnell get both of them he and his wife both just lit up with the power of the Holy Ghost and begin to to testify and rejoice and raise your hands and get carried off. Hallelujah. I've seen many of those that's already gone on. I've seen some that are still here. I've seen some of you this morning. Oh, my friend, the dimmer switch starts to fade away and the light starts to shine in you and you see it in your face and see it in your smile and see it in your tears. Boy, I'm telling you when we get to heaven, the veil of this flesh is going to pass away. Brother Bob sits over there sometimes like Leo Mazzoni. And some of y'all don't know what that means, but some of you do. Leo Mazzoni, every time his pictures would be on the mound, he would sit there like this the whole time they were pitching and rocking because he was just too excited to be still. Brother Bob keeps me preaching sometimes. He gets to rocking like Leo over there. And brother, the light gets to shining. But right now, the light has to shine through this veil of flesh. Right now, it's got to shine through this carnal man. But one day we're going to shed this robe of flesh and put on a glorified body and praise God we'll be like Jesus. And my friend, we're going to shine on that day. Oh, we're really going to shine. Hallelujah. To him that overcometh, I'll make him to become a pillar in the temple of my God. I want to be a pillar in the church here in this world, but I surely want to be a pillar like Jacob and Boaz shining over yonder. Hallelujah. Reflecting the light of the king. Philippians 3 and 20. And those of you, by the way, I'm going to eliminate some of you. Those of you who have never been sick in body probably don't know how to appreciate this. If you've ever been sick, you know how to appreciate what I'm about to say. We're going to have a glorified body. Hallelujah. You know what it is to, to not roll out of bed in the morning but just sort of creak out of bed? You know what it is not to hop up on your feet, but just to sort of ease up on your feet and snap, crackle, and pop all the way to the bathroom to brush your teeth? If you know a little bit about that, you'll know how to appreciate the fact that we're going to have a glorified body. If you've ever been to the doctor and he said it's a stroke, it's a heart attack, it's cancer, we're going to have to do surgery, it's broken. If you know anything about any of those things, then you know how to rejoice when I say you're going to have a glorified body. If you've got old enough 
to see the wrinkles in the corner of your face. Yeah. Have to be able to see the uh, wear and tear around your eyes. Yeah. My friend, if you know what it's like, yeah. how to get tired than you used to, yeah. and worn out faster than you used to, yeah. and the same time has made a change in me, yeah. then you know how to appreciate this fact yeah. that we're going to have a glorified body. Yeah. If you know what it is like to seek salt and pepper yeah. and on your head at the same time, yeah. and realize the pepper's disappeared and the salt yeah. has taken its place, yeah. then you know how to rejoice and say it. Yeah. We're going to get a glorified body. Yeah. If you know what it's like to ride along in a car and every light blinds you and the darkness be too dark to see and you can't hear what the people around you are saying and you wiggle your, and wiggle your mouth and your teeth rattle just a little bit on the inside and you think I need to get this fixed and that fixed and I ought to go to the dentist and I ought to go to the eye doctor and I ought to go to the hearing doctor but none of that's covered under my insurance and then you know how to appreciate the fact that we're going to get a glorified body if you know what it is to be hooked up to the machines I'm going my fit under anesthesia have the doctor say we don't know if it's cancer or not and my friend you know what it's like to rejoice because we're going to get a glorified body last night I ran into a young lady that I went to high school with she's maybe a year or two older than I am not much I don't remember she may have been a couple of grades ahead of me just a short distance. Went to high school with her. She, she's, y'all young people don't believe this, but she's young. Amen. Somebody give me a good amen. amen. She ain't even made it to 50. She's amen. young. Amen. Got stage four cancer. Sonia said, what's stage four? I said, that's close to the end, hon. Not much left after that. My age. Went to high school with me. You know what that kind of stuff is like. You know how to appreciate the glorified body. If you've never been sick, you probably don't know how to appreciate it. I remember when I was a boy, they used to rejoice in that around the church. And I'd think, well, I could preach on something else. I mean, I got it. I'm going to have a glorified body. I understand. I didn't have a clue how to understand. Never had been sick. Nothing wrong. Everything all right. Now I know a little better how to understand. I know what it is for certain parts of my body to hurt when there's no explanation for it. But I'm going to have a glorified body. Hallelujah. Some of you who have never been sick don't know how to appreciate it. Some of you who have never realized how sinful your carnal flesh is, you don't know how to appreciate it. Some of you think you're doing pretty good. Some of you think that you're measuring up pretty well. Some of you maybe who don't realize how many times you've failed God. You don't stare in the mirror like I do and see a person in the mirror that is ashamed of all they could be where Christ not in my life. If you did not realize like I do when I look in my eyes how afraid that I am of the person that I would be outside of Christ. Oh, my friend, last night my wife said, if I didn't know the Lord, it'd be frightening the things that I would have done in my life. There's no telling the things he's kept me from, restrained me from, have kept me away from in my life. That's true for you and for me if you've been saved. Oh, my friend, there's a lot of things in my life as it is that I would do different, that I would change, that I'd go back and redo. But praise God, one day I will get a glorified body. I will be like Jesus, not prone to sin, not prone to wonder, not prone to fail. Sinless and Christ-like. If you realize how much corruption there is in this flesh this morning, you would know how to appreciate that. 
Amen. I told some of you last week or week before something about Brother Thomas. I don't even remember how I got to it. But here he is. He don't have any gray much in his hair. And I said, he must use the just for men. Then after church, he confessed that he did. He did. I heard it. How about that? I heard it. Maybe the corruption's not showing up here, but it's showing up in that deceitful way he's living his life. Hey. Just for full disclosure, he said he had a gag of some kind put the just for men on his beard. And then he couldn't get it out hardly. <laughs> when he started to shave, he looked like blackface. <laughs> oh my. You realize your body, your carnal body is full of sin and sinful tendencies. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You think you don't do anything wrong. If you tell yourself you have no sin, you're a liar. That's what the scripture said. And the truth is not in you. Amen. Christ's likeness. We will have a body like Christ. We will be like Christ in our corporate body. The church will be perfect on that day. The church is Christ's body. Amen. It is the body of Christ. He's the head. We're his body. And his body will be perfect. Right now the church is filled with imperfections. And the imperfections have names. Their names are John and Toby and Randy. Their names are Tanya and Sonia and Patricia and Bob. And their names are our names. For we are imperfect beings. And the body of Christ has imperfections. Oh, but on that day, the body of Christ will be perfect. Oh, the body will be like unto our head. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. You talk about a church we're going to have on the other side. I'm excited about his body, aren't you? And not only will be like him in the corporate body, but in our bodies, this vile body, he said. He'll turn this vile body into likeness like unto his glorious body. Hallelujah. Philippians 3 and 20 for our conversation is heaven. Is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, for the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself we will be like Jesus we'll be like Christ in our nature Romans 8 and 23 and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body we will be like Christ in our manifestation Romans 8 and 18 for I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now there's going to be glory in that stream of life. There's going to be glory in that tree of life, 12 men of fruit. There's going to be glory in that street of gold. There's going to be glory in those those uh, those uh, 120 uh, around the throne. There's going to be glory in those four bees. There's going to be glory in those 24 elders. That's not where all the glory is going to be. <laughs> you know where some of it's going to be revealed? I reckon the suffering of this present time not where they be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You know where some of the glory is going to be? <laughs> He's going to put it right down in here. Hallelujah. 
and you wonder why I'm excited about a glorified body. I mean, right now, every sinful tendency on planet Earth works in the carnal flesh that I dwell in. And my friend, the flesh works against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And I suffer these things. And we are accounted for the slaughter all the day long. But praise God, one day the glory will be revealed in us. Hallelujah. We'll be made like Jesus in that day. On that resurrection morning, when all the dead in Christ shall rise, I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal. Oh, soul and weakness raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home of love, eternal. Whether redeemed of God shall stand, there will be no more sorrow. Praise the Lord, there'll be no more strife. I'm raised in the likeness of my Savior, ready to live in glory land. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Randy rides with me to church to preach here and there. And if we go very far, we've got to stop somewhere and let him shake his leg. He's had them knees replaced. We've got to stop and let him get out and move around a little bit and shake his leg. Amen. There's going to be one of these days. He'll be able to shake his leg. Won't even have any rattling going on. I take him into prison and he can't hardly get into prison. Now that's bad. A man can't get into prison. They do, the, they do the metal detector thing and they always think he's got a firearm on him. It's in titanium knees. One of these days we're going to get to heaven and he could pass through a metal detector. There won't be anything in that body that defiles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Brother Charles is doing lots better. Lots better. This morning he's looking at me almost smiling equal on both sides. Amen. But there's going to come a day when Baal's palsy will be locked outside the gate of that city. Y'all listening to me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The reason why Sister Ginger's not here this morning, I'm supposing probably because she's looking after her mama, but her mother's got Alzheimer's and it's her turn this morning. There will come a day when she won't have to introduce herself to her mama again. Sister Jimmy will know who her daughter is. And one of these days, Alzheimer's and dementia and all that will be gone. And arthritis and heart attacks thievery and meanness and temptation and the corruption of the flesh it'll all be God and it'll be glory after a while he'll reveal it in us in us Right now, I'm an imperfect preacher. My preaching falls short. My life falls short. I can't even measure up to my own convictions. I examine my life and find myself most of the time disappointed with myself more often than not. But there'll come a day when I'll stand before God and never have to worry that Jesus would be disappointed in me again because He's going to give me a glorified body and I'm going to be like Jesus. Amen. You wonder why I get happy over a glorified body. You kidding me? The thing in this world that's hindering me the most is what I, this house that I'm living in. It's need repair. Hallelujah. But I got to leave it on my mind. I've got a better place waiting for me. Praise God for the Father's house. Hallelujah. 
The glory that shall be revealed in us. I got way off track. I've been preaching in parentheses and I've got to quit now. Brother, what a day. The glory of that house. The glory of that house. This morning, if you don't know the Lord, you have no idea what you're missing out on. Jesus said, you can be at peace in a troubled world. Let not your heart be troubled, but that's not for everybody. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know the ones that get to have peace in a troubled world? Those that believe in God the Father and believe in God the Son and who were indwelled with God the Holy Ghost. This morning, if you've never been saved, you have plenty of cause to be troubled. And I would to God the Holy Ghost would trouble you. I've had people tell me, your preaching troubles me. It's supposed to. If you don't know God, it's supposed to trouble you. To comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Let not your heart be troubled. The world is troubled, friend. There's a whole... They are troubled because their life is invested in this world. And if you don't know God, you ought to be troubled. But today's a day you can get peace with God in your heart. Please come with a song. I'm finished preaching. Let not your heart be troubled. This world is not all there is. There is a land that's fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. The Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Oh, get prepared to meet the Lord. Been thinking a lot lately, and I, I've got so many messages I'm working on at the same time right now, it's a wonder I've got sense enough to preach any of them. Been thinking a lot lately about Amos when he said, Prepare to meet thy God. The things that were going on in his time, how unprepared the people were, how far away from God they were. How blind they were to the truth of the God of heaven. But he said, you better get ready. Better get ready. John the Baptist was what he was preaching about this morning in our Sunday school lesson. It's what I'm preaching about now. We're not going to stay in this place forever. We may be home before Christmas. I'm finishing here. Listen to me. Last year, my granddaddy, bad sick. Bad sick. Got to where he couldn't talk hardly. Eventually got to where he couldn't talk at all. Grunt, scared, suffering. It's awful. To watch my pastor, my granddaddy, and that soldier of the cross suffer like that for months. I mean severely for months. It's troubling. Heartbreaking. But uh, Diane, my Grandmother's gone to heaven. My granddaddy remarried years ago. Diane, his wife, was praying that he'd make it to Christmas. I thought there's no way on planet Earth he's making it to Christmas. I told my wife before Father's Day, I said, he won't make it to Father's Day, let alone to Christmas. Come October, November, he was still here. Thanksgiving, 
When he was still here at Thanksgiving, I told my wife, I don't know if he'll make it to New Year's, but the only reason he's alive is because of, of Diane praying. He's going to make it to Christmas. Christmas Eve, somebody asked me, said, how's your granddaddy? I said, he's going to make it till tomorrow. Don't know what's going to happen after that, but he's making it till tomorrow. <laughs> About three o'clock on Christmas morning, he got to spend Christmas Day with Jesus in heaven. Hallelujah. He made it to Christmas. Listen to me. We may be home with Jesus before Christmas comes. If you don't know the Lord this morning, better get in this altar and ask God to do a work in your heart and save you. He wants to. And you can come and go with me to my Father's house. Everybody stand. I've preached a whole lot more than I intended to this morning. I really have. I, I know I always say that, but I really have a lot more. But it sure has been good to be in the presence of the Lord. I mean, I have enjoyed trying to share with you the gospel. I've made a big mess of it, but I have enjoyed it tremendously this morning. I don't know when I've slopped around and made a bigger mess trying to preach, but I don't know when I've enjoyed it any better. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you don't know God, these altars are open. Children of God, saints of God, born again people, please pray earnestly this morning. If you're lost this morning, save folks already in this altar praying for you. Would you come? Sing for us when you're ready, please. Would you come and ask the Lord to do a work in your life? If you've never been born again, now would be the time. This would be the place and today would be the day. If you need to pray, would you come and sing for us? If I surveyed all the good I'm going to go to heaven one of these days and it won't be long. I would to God you go with me. Above. If I could count all the blessings I'm telling you it's going to be glory after a while. It's going to be glory after a while. Matter of fact, it's going to all be glory. I'm sure he'd grant it Would you obey the Lord this morning? You and the Holy Ghost of heaven do it No heartbreak, no heartache, no hunger, children. 
trouble. No sickness, no death, and no disease, no dying. Have all vanished away. But it will be